Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And Gordy, as always, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? Yeah, doing good, man. I'm I'm excited. I saw Arkansas. You guys got a quarterback. All right. Yeah, everybody's uh, pretty pumped up and excited about it. And uh, I guess he's from Texas, so there's a little connection there. So, uh, yeah, they're trying to trying to figure some things out. And I, I, we'll start there since you brought it up, Gordy. Because of that, like, that pretty much, at least in my mind, I've already felt like KJ Jefferson's gone, but it certainly feels like that even more solidifies him moving on into the transfer portal at some point. Yeah, it it does. But, but keep in mind, like, I think, I think there's schools that are adding – just to add with no, like, guarantee, hey, you're the starter. And it's not to say, I mean, the kid from Boise, like, you know, he played a lot there and, and you know, he had some decent numbers. I like the running ability. I mean, it, it just, you know, seeing the picture that he tweeted out with him and Bobby Petrino, it's like, it just screams, okay, this would be a really good marriage here and would, would love to see what Petrino could get out of him and, uh, you know, make just maybe want to go start looking at some early Lamar Jackson numbers, you know, because he's a runner and a thrower and, uh, you know, could he put up those kind of numbers in Arkansas? But that's getting way ahead of ourselves. But I say all that to say, like, they could bring him in and still bring K.J. back for another year if K.J. wanted wanted to. And and I wonder if how much, you know, when the report came out initially, I think it was Chris Hummer had it, said uh, K.J. Jefferson to the portal, and then K.J. puts on his Instagram, I haven't made any decision yet. That was the same day, I want to say, that Petrino was officially announced as the Arkansas OC. So, like, I wonder how much of that was KJ saying, well, let me at least sit down with Coach Petrino and talk with him and let me see what their plan is and all that kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, the writing has been on the wall for a couple of weeks now that, you know, KJ could certainly go to South Carolina if he wanted, and that would be a, a welcome addition with, with Coach Loggins there. So we'll see what happens there. But, again, I don't think it's a guarantee just because they brought in a, a quarterback through the portal that it means KJ is 100% gone because, you know, look at LSU. They brought in Jaden Daniels. When it was, you know, kind of, we were under the impression that Miles Brennan was going to be the starter at LSU, and, and Jaden Daniels ends up being the guy. Last year, you know, I remember talking to Greg McElroy saying, "Well, Spencer Sanders didn't leave Oklahoma State to go sit on the bench at Ole Miss. Guess what? He sat on the bench behind Jackson Dart. So, just because the guy's got a lot of playing time and has a resume, let's not just assume, oh, that's going to be the starter because, uh, you know, other things happen. Any other moves around college football that stand out to you in the transfer portal so far? Yeah, I saw the, uh, the the running back Missouri just got today. Uh, I think he's from Georgia State. Very productive running back. I mean, look at what Eli Drinkwitz has done there with running backs in, in his short time there at Missouri. I mean, he's had he's had a bunch of studs. Um, you know, Tyler Beatty. You know, ends up getting drafted a year ago. Cody Schrader comes in. Uh, he you know ends up leading the SEC in rushing this year. So I think uh, Eli Drinkwitz has done a great job of. You know, he's not looking for the big five-star recruits, the number one running back in the country, although maybe they should give Mizzou a look. But he's going and finding these diamonds in the rough and getting the most out of them. So, uh, yeah, as soon as I saw that one today, I think it's Marcus Carroll is his name. I said, well, that guy's going to be, you know, probably going to be one of the leading rushers in the SEC next year because that's what Mizzou has been able to do. But to me, the the biggest story, at least just in in the SEC uh, today, was guys coming back. Um, and, and, you know, we, we know that uh, that Wade, is, is Dayton Wade is going pro at, at Ole Miss, 
But Ole Miss is bringing back three of their leading four pass catchers. We got announcements that Trey Harris is coming back. Uh, we got an announcement that Caden Priestcorn, their third tight end, is coming back. And uh, I forget their, their third wide receiver, but he announced he's coming back yesterday. So uh, I was like, damn, that's, that's a little scary with Ole Miss with knowing Lane Kiffin's there, knowing Jackson Dart's coming back next year, and he gets his three leading pass catchers. And, oh, by the way, Quinshawn Judkin, who's just a true sophomore, so he'll be a junior next year. So he'll be a stud and be back. So that just – that that stood out to me because I went, man, you know, all this talk of transfer portal, let's go get this guy and that guy. Ole Miss is just staying in-house and keeping a lot of their guys coming back. And they're going to be a problem next year in the SEC again. Jane Daniels wins the Heisman. I don't think anybody was too surprised by that. But just what do you think of the season that he had? Maybe compare it to – uh, some other great Heisman winners, and uh, where do you think that he goes from here as far as his next step? Yeah, it was a, it was a great season. I mean, um, you know, like it, it. I can't imagine that LSU team without him because if they had not had the the talent of Jaden Daniels and what he gave them, uh, that LSU team would have had at least five, maybe six losses. I mean, you know, the the Arkansas game was a was a back and forth game. You know, that was back when Arkansas offense was confident. Uh, but that that was uh, that was one that that you know he had to pull up, pull out the win late, um, and, and even the losses. I mean, they were in that Alabama game, you know, in the third quarter before uh, you know he gets knocked out at the start of the fourth. Uh, the Ole Miss game was back and forth, back and forth, where their defense just couldn't get a stop. I mean, LSU's defense was historically bad, and that would be the headline in Baton Rouge right now had Jaden Daniels not had the special season he's had. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. It's like, how are all the headlines, oh, my God, what an amazing season from Jaden Daniels, and he's the Heisman winner, only the third Heisman winner in the history of LSU. That's the headline instead of, oh, my God, how atrocious was LSU's defense this year, and Matt House should be absolutely fired. I don't know how he still has a job right now. Like, that that would be the headline had Jaden Daniels not done what he did this year at LSU. So, um, no, it was it was a great season. It, it's something. It's one of those years where I don't know if there was a memorable moment. You know, somebody was asking me, "What was Jay Daniels' Heisman moment?" I was like, "Well, you know, the, the run against Florida where he took off for whatever it was, like fifty something yards. I mean, that was that was pretty eye popping. But like, I don't know if there was a certain moment, a certain game. Maybe the Mizzou win on the road, which ended up being one of their best wins of the season. You know, he gets hit in the ribs, and we find out afterwards he had fractured ribs, and he went back in there and kept gutting it out and played and kept playing. Um, you know, that's, that's all things that add to your resume, your Heisman resume reel. But, um, you know, somebody said, you know, outside of Missouri, what was their best win? Well, I don't know. I mean, look, they lost to Florida State in the opener. They lost at Ole Miss, and they lost at Alabama. So, um, you know, it's a three-loss season. But, again, we've had 17 guys before lose three, three games and still win the Heisman. So, it might be one of those years we look back and just say maybe it was a down year for the Heisman. You know, Troy Smith, his year falls in that category. But I don't want to take anything away from Jaden Daniels because he was fantastic. He was, uh, I think they said, every time the ball touched his hands, LSU averaged 10 yards. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Like, every time the ball touched his hands, they averaged the first down this year. So, um, pretty crazy stat. But, uh, you know, look, it, it was a fantastic year. And I think LSU's in a great spot now to say, look, five, Two of the last five years, we've produced a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. Who wants to come play quarterback at LSU? I think, I think they will start to catch the eye of, of some other uh, of some recruits out there. Around the NFL yesterday, who had the better win, the Bills over the Chiefs because they keep their playoff hopes alive, or the Cowboys over the Eagles, the way they dominated, and then they were able to put themselves in a position to win the division? Yeah, it was a big win for the Bills. I mean, they, they needed that, and 
you know, what would the Chiefs cheated a little bit, I guess. I mean, you know, if you're a Kansas City fan, you say, oh, my God, how do you call that? And if you're on the other side, you're going, oh, good call, refs. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. But I, I, Buffalo absolutely needs need some wins to stay in this playoff hunt, and they're getting that lately. So it was a monster win for them. But how can you not feel? If you're a Cowboys fan, how can you not feel like that was just a huge monkey off the, off your back and, and beating the, the Eagles, getting that win? Yeah, uh, we were already talking about Dak as maybe a favorite for the for MVP. I think that just solidifies it even more with that win and how he performed. So, uh, and then you know it's, it, it lets your fan base know we can beat these guys if we face these guys down the road in the playoffs. We can beat them again. So uh, that was it was a monster win on both fronts. But at least for Dallas, I mean, we're again they're building up the resume for Dak Prescott to be the MVP, and, and that certainly went a long way yesterday. The best thing about the NFL schedule: those two teams, Bills and Cowboys, they play each other. This week coming up. Oh, well, that's great! Yeah, somebody pointed out to me that the next couple of Monday Night Football games are really, really good. Like, I think we get it's, it's Niners Ravens. I want to say, and like, I, and then I think we get Lions Cowboys. So, for all the crap Monday Night games we've had in recent weeks, we're finally going to start to get some good ones here. Uh, speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk Seven Ninety Houston, the Locked On SEC podcast here on Out of Bounds. Now. Uh, Gordy, what did you make of the reaction from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs after that call from last night? Because it's definitely uh, gotten a lot of people talking, and it seemed like it was the right call by the officials. But, man, to, to see Mahomes go that irate and to have the comments that he did and everything, it certainly kind of overtook the, the loss or the win. It seemed like that was the main story that people took from that game. Yeah, and it's funny because, Mahomes has been such a likable guy, and he's a and he's a spokesperson and all these things that people like him so much. And I saw a lot of negative, you know, reaction on social media and stuff. A lot of people saying, "Oh, shut up, cry baby," and all this kind of stuff. So it, it is kind of interesting that you know something like that happens. And look, it was a big call, and it sucks because of the outcome, right? Like they scored the the go ahead touchdown, and it's taken off the board because of a penalty, and it's. And it's one of those, like, pre-snap penalties where it's, like, just something so minutia and so stupid. Like, I don't know if Tony gained an advantage uh, just because he had a foot on the line. But, uh, again, a rule's a rule. If you're stickling for the rules, you gotta you got to you know stick with that. But I understand why Mahomes assists, right? I mean, again, it's, it's the go-ahead touchdown. It's taken off the board. But by the same realm, understand that the more you go after it and, and, and complain about it, you're going to get people calling you. And say, hey, shut up, cry, baby. You know, like deal with it. So it's it's funny in, in sports. We can be, we we go so quickly from beloved and great story to, oh my god, I hate that guy. You know, I mean, I, I always go back to I remember two thousand one. You know, Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, this, this kid from Michigan, a late round pick from Michigan, steps in and leads them to a Super Bowl. It's like, oh my god, what an awesome story. And then about five six years later, we're like, all right, stop winning. I hate this story already. You know, so it's just it's funny sports. Sports can give it and take it away, and uh, it was just kind of funny to see that reaction with Patrick Mahomes here, where people were like, "Ah, oh, shut up, Mahomes," when he's been so beloved, you know. Well, they're not used to seeing the Chiefs in that position, but also after that play happened, they were still in a position where they could have won the game outright, or they could have at least tied the game and taken it to overtime, and they just didn't get it done. So it's more of a credit to the Bills and being able to stop what the Chiefs were able to do. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing too. Is it's not like it was just one play, and that was it. They had multiple opportunities, and they just couldn't get it done. So, but you know that may end up being a big game down the road. I mean, this Chiefs team is is good. I don't know if I'd call them one of the best, 
you know, they've been able to keep their head above water with all the losses they've had roster-wise. You know, you lose a Tyree Kill, you lose, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and all these different pieces they've had the last few years on teams that got to the Super Bowl. And, you know, they're hoping, you know, Rasheed Rice was a nice draft pick. He's performing well. But I just wonder, like, how many times can you keep losing pieces and keep sustaining this momentum with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? And so it's going to be something fascinating to see these last couple of weeks on, you know, who ends up as the, the top seeds in, in, the, in the AFC. Yeah, I want to talk about the stupidest game from yesterday because it's just so on brand. But how about the, the Jets and the Texans, my Jets and your Texans? Zero to zero at halftime. And the Jets win thirty to six. Like, how do you make sense out of that game? And the Texans. I mean, I don't care about the Jets winning or losing. In fact, uh, it's just better be better if they lost. But anyways, the Texans were on a roll, and you know, going up against the Jets, just uh, were unable to keep them from scoring there in the second half. Just what do you make of that? Yeah, it, it was the the writing was on the wall. We were talking about this on our show on Friday, saying we just didn't feel good about the spot with the Texans because we kept hearing that. We're like, all right, you got to go to to the Meadowlands on on a Sunday. The forecast was cold and rainy, and, and they said it was going to rain the whole game, and it did. It just constant drip of rain the entire game. Uh, on top of it, uh, Houston's offensive line was banged up. Laramie Tunsil was playing through an injury. Their their uh, right tackle, who's not he shouldn't even be their right tackle. He's a fill-in, George Fant. He missed several game uh, practices last week. He was playing through an injury. And so you knew that you just you went up there not 100%, and then they lost their best offensive pass catcher in Tank Dell a week ago to, to a season-ending injury. And then their second-best wide receiver, Nico Collins, he gets hurt in the first quarter and leaves the game. And so I, I just kept looking at it and saying, God, they don't have Tank Dell. They don't have Nico Collins. Dalton Schultz didn't play. And you got a banged-up offensive line with a C.J. Stroud in the cold and the rain on the road. I just said the recipe does not equal success here. And uh, we saw it. C.J. Stroud had his worst game of the year. And, uh, look, he's, he's a guarantee for, for Offensive Rookie of the Year, no doubt. But uh, any talk of him in the MVP conversation, I think, kind of goes out the window uh, with his performance this past week. So we'll see what the Texans can do, man. It sucks because this division is, is actually pretty decent. I mean, the Jaguars are – you know, they lose yesterday. They're game up on the Texans, but the Texans lose. You know, the Colts take a loss, but they're right there in the mix. They still hold the tiebreaker over the Texans right now. So, as fun of a year as it's been for the Texans and a great story for Nico Ryan and C.J. Stroud, we're looking at it with four games remaining going, God, like, if, 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 Detroit, or if Denver does what they do and Buffalo does what they do and, you know, the Jags win the division, I don't think the Texans are going to make the playoffs. And it's just crazy because it's like a few weeks ago it felt like they would be a lot. And speaking of that part, uh, the Texans making the playoffs or not, they're seven and six, and there are seven AFC teams that are seven and six, and you know there are only three wild card spots. So, what do you see happening with some of those teams and some of the teams that are in the mix there? Yeah, I think you're gonna ha- you're gonna have a team or two that's above five hundred that's gonna miss the playoffs. And again, it's, th- these last couple games are gonna be crucial now for the Texans. They play the Titans twice and they still play Indianapolis, um, Jaguars have already played almost all their division games. They only have one more divisional game left, and they're, I believe they're 4-1 and one in their divisional game. Texans are 1-2. and two. So it almost becomes a situation where, like, Houston has to win out to get in, but, you know, we talked about it. I mean, Buffalo, they, they're starting to get hot at the right time. Maybe Denver's been on a nice roll. They slipped up in Houston a week ago, but they bounced back and, and win again. So, um, and they've been on a roll you know, really the, the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think you're going to start to see the cr- the cream rise to the top. You're going to start to see the teams that maybe we thought or expected were going to be 
players in, in both divisions or, or both uh, AFC and NFC are going to uh, prove true. And I think we're going to see some really good teams in the playoffs this year. And again, some uh, above 500 teams missing the postseason. Agordia, I know we just got a few minutes with you left, but uh, something we haven't even really talked about at all today because it's just been so loaded. But how about Shohei Otani to the Dodgers? Ten years, uh, just mere $700 million. And the most ironic thing is that Dave Roberts was the only one that even broke that cardinal rule of not talking about it, and yet he still ends up with the Dodgers. Just what'd you make of that move and having Otani stay there in in L.A. just with a different team? Yeah, this was in the works. If you if you paid attention to what the Dodgers did in free agency the last two years, they went cheap. You know, this was a team that was always spend, 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 and you know, going after some of the biggest free agents, and then at the trade deadline, going to get some big names and making aggressive moves. They were very timid on the market last offseason, and everybody was like, wait, the Dodgers, why are they Why are they not making big moves? It was because of this. They were saving their money. They were they were saving up for the monster move. They knew Shohei Otani would be a free agent, and, uh, you know, they, they, they got their guy. And so it, it's, great for, it's great for them. Um, you know, Dodgers the last two seasons have lost in the postseason in, in the NLDS, so, you know, first-round exits basically the last two years. They're hoping this is the guy that gets them over the hump, but – um, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical. I mean, I, I still don't think Dave Roberts is a very good manager. You know, he has underachieved almost, you know, every year he's been there in, 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 uh, in L.A. His only one World Series ring was that stupid COVID year that I think everybody puts an asterisk next by. So um, we'll see. I mean, look, he, he's got all the marketability in the world. I saw they're already going to go do some international games school to open next season. So it's going to bring a ton of attention to the sport, and, and obviously having them in a huge market like L.A. is going to help. But you know, does it help the Dodgers win a World Series? I don't know. It's, it's so hard because there's so, you got to have so many players. I mean, you just had the two greatest players in the sport, Joey Otani and Mike Trout, on the same team the last couple of years, and they couldn't even make the playoffs. So uh, real curious to see what the Dodgers do. But I think I heard something like Joey Otani is going to make $30,000 a day for the next 10 years, and uh, – I just keep wondering between that and the Jimbo Fisher buyout, how do I get my name out of some of these things? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see with Otani also. Coming up this season, he won't be able to pitch, but they were looking at the long-term vision of him being able to pitch and uh, play in the field and, and what he gives them at the plate. So um, it, it'll be interesting because of the fact that he's making 70 mil a year and he's not able to perform at the level that everybody's used to seeing, at least for the next season. Yeah, and, and it's, it's going to be fascinating to see, too. I mean, like, I don't know, all these 10-year contracts that have been given out in baseball, like, everybody wants them, but everybody who's gotten them, has that team regretted it? I mean, I think almost all of them, the team has come back to regret giving that contract. I mean, it was all with the Angels and Pools. Like, it, it, it got bad there at the end. They basically just had to eat the, the end of his contract. Um, you know, we'll see on some of these young guys. I mean, I, again, I think Otani deserves the money, but – yeah, you're right. I mean, we're, we'd be, we may be talking about three years from now them saying, you know what, uh, we talked to the doctor and the medicals, and it's probably just smarter for him to just be a, a full-time hitter moving forward and to give up pitch. Like, I think that's a real scenario that, that could happen down the road. And so then you're looking at it and going, well, we're just overpaying for a really good hitter as opposed to a guy that was doing both at a really high level. So I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, the, if you had to ask me, like, what are the odds 10 years from now will the Dodgers regret giving out that contract? I think the odds say yes, they will. Well, Gordy, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the rest of your week, man. We look forward to catching up with you later down the road, all right? All right. Anytime, guys. Thanks.